0: Are back with another live Wrestling With Jona's episode 210. Can you believe it? 210 episodes. And uh, we are back today with Rico Della Vega. How the devil are you, my friend? And we've got your, your theme tune playing in the background. Um, it's all going off here. It's all going off here. So uh, thank you very much for coming on the Wrestling With Jona's podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me. And uh, yeah, I mean, catchy tune.
1: John Kiernan, I'm telling you, he's one of the best... <sighs> Uh, when it comes to wrestling themes especially in the fact that he definitely embodies the actual wrestler on to the music that he writes for them and you know he's with you every step of the way and kind of builds with it so it's really cool seeing his uh his process so no i definitely recommend this guy.
0: Absolutely. John Kinn and a big fan of the show, big friend of the show and friend of mine and, and yours as well, Rico. But uh, great to have you on the show. Thank you very much for joining me. We are several thousand miles apart, but uh, <laughs> we, we're here today on the Wrestling with jonas podcast. I've got to ask you, um, the, the name of your, your entrance theme is uh, Yakata. Uh, that that was, Did I pronounce that correctly?
1: <laughs> the accent marks are slightly d- on on. different places, but it's <laughs> Yakata.
0: Yakata. There we go. Yakata. So, so T- tell me what that means because over here in the uk it's a it's a saying it's a word that i'm not too familiar with it's obviously got some some kind of prominence to yourself tell us what it's all about tell us what ya- yakata is all about rike so yakata is basically it's just, just something that i came up with uh yakata
1: you know it's used as an acronym you acquire knowledge after taking action um I like to be that person that just doesn't talk about it, you know, I want to go ahead and do it. So even whether I win or lose, even if I fail, I learn from it. So I still acquire knowledge after taking action, but you have to take action. You can't just be there, you know, just stand idle. You have to make moves. And that's just the way that I operate. Yakata is more of a mantra. Uh, It's like a way of life, you know, just something that I like to to practice. And if I could, you know, preach that to other people and they kind of take from it, then you know, my work here is done too.
0: Oh, awesome. Thank you for that education. But uh, it's obviously kind of, you know, that that, that feeling you've got inside uh, to go out there and perform and what kind of uh, what uh, uh, drives you. But uh, I've got a picture I want to bring up on screen, Rico. Uh, Look at this here. Um, I think it's from the last AAW show. Correct. Um, You've got this this ECW uh, legend there, the Sandman. Um, Kane, Kane, you big time there, Oof, my friend? Yeah. What What is going on there? Tell us what happened there, and, and like I say, it must have been a thrill to have been in there with a the legend such as the Sandman.
1: I mean, you know, obviously the setup was, uh, you know, Axel and I, who's my tag partner, Axel Rico, yeah. as we are as a unit, La Sociedad Boricua, uh, for AAW. We kind of interfered in the match with uh, with uh, Siena as well as, uh, I mean, uh, Allison K. Uh, Sky Blue and, uh, and Christy James. So, you know, we currently have a little little feud going on with Christy and uh and Sky. So we went in there and did our thing. You know, uh Allison took the the, the W, walked off. So we, we had to finish them off. But uh as we were finishing them off, uh lo and behold, Sandman was over there signing stuff and his music hits. <laughs> and yeah, it, that, that kind of happened. But I will say this, you know. Uh, if you watch the pay-per-view which i highly recommend it's still playing on fight tv so definitely check it out because that's not the only highlight uh but if you see me i'm getting mad you know i'm getting worked up i'll be honest man that's just little me not trying to pop and and, and come out of my shell because i want to smile from ear to ear so badly because <laughs> i don't care who you are how old you get you're always a fan you know if, if you'd have told me a year ago that i was gonna be in the ring getting caned by sandman i would have been like get out of my face with that shit you know what I mean but uh but no dude it, it was an amazing moment uh the energy was there straight old ECW energy I mean you the 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 four minute entrance in itself while while Metallica just like draws out and he's getting hyping into it and just downing the beer up until the point where he strikes me and my partner I'm like I'm getting you know what I mean but it was a great feeling it was so amazing and, and you know it's a great way to uh to add a little bit more of an entertainment factor to a pay-per-view such as The Finding Moment.
0: Absolutely. You know when The Rock says, the, the the hair on the arms kind of stand up. During that entrance, when Metallica's playing Into the Sandman and there he comes, like you say, his four or five minute long uh, entrance. That, that must have been thrilling. Cheers. But uh, I... I, I you don't need to let the cat out of the bag here, but um, uh, are we likely to see any any, any plans between yourself and maybe uh, Axel and, and against the Sandman in the future? Is he is he returning? Is this a, the start of something for the future? I'm not going to put anything out there that I know <laughs> nothing about. Honestly, I don't.
1: I don't think so. However, I would not put it past Sandman because trust me, the guy can go. I still have a little bit of my ribs hurting right now, so the guys can still go. <laughs> There's no doubt in my mind and we'd welcome it. We definitely would welcome it. You know, there's nothing like, uh, like being in there with a legend like the Sandman. However, there's nothing official. I cannot be a spokesperson for anybody, but it would be pretty cool.
0: I don't want to put words in your mouth there, Rico. I don't want to put words in your mouth. It's just something that I would like to see, I'm sure. Just oh, as a, as a fan, <laughs> to fanboy, to fanboy. Um, but uh, we'll get back to you. I've got to throw a quick uh, plug to our sponsor, 1310 Apparel, uh, the UK-based uh, wrestling-inspired um t-shirt company, apparel company. Um, They've got uh, fantastic ranges, like their hardcore range, which you can find exclusively on their Merch Central store, their lucha range, and their traditional 1310 apparel lineup. Uh, Of course, they sponsor some top athletes and top wrestlers over here in the UK, like Heidi Katrina, Chris Ridgway, and now they sponsor the Johnners Podcasting Network and this very podcast, Wrestling With Johnners. Now, The deal that we've got with 1310 Apparel is that you can get 10% off at their Wrestle Merch Central store. Just go to 1310.merch.global and you will see the 1310 Apparel store there. And you can get 10% off at checkout just by putting in the discount code 1310WMC. So if you want a great deal and a great discount on all of them fantastic 1310 apparel uh, goods Uh, they just type in 1310 WMC uh, into the website 1310.merch.global but uh, Rico we are back we are back tell me about the monster factory because the monster factory as a whole has been going nearly four decades obviously it was um uh, was it larry sharp that started it way back in the 80s um and then uh, it's been taken over um, i've got the guy's name here but it's taken over by danny cage danny cage he's Correct. been running it for about 10 years now, where did you start with with the Monster Factory then? Because I think that was your kind of your first foray into pro wrestling, maybe your your first bit of training, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, that's where I, uh that's where I cut my teeth as a wrestler. Uh, you know, fun fact, when I came from Puerto Rico, I I lived in North New Jersey, but I then moved down to South Jersey, a little small town called Paulsboro. That's where I grew up at and that's where the monster factory had been at my entire life practically, and I never knew nothing other than the fact that I saw a bunch of wrestlers come in and out. Uh, you know, it was real cool walking home from school and you see guys like uh, like Bam Bam Bigelow, King Kong Bundy, like just walking in like mm-hmm. it's nothing. Um, but yeah, but the Monster Factory, uh, uh, Larry Sharp had it initially. Uh, Larry then handed over the range to Danny Cage and I started in 2014. So it was, uh, I went in, it was June, 2014. I was 250 sloppy pounds so like it was real bad so i went in there because hey it's what i want to do so i go and i remember doing a tryout and everything you know they try to make sure that you're physically fit and that you're able to do all the maneuvers as a professional wrestler that we do um i go into the gym danny capes you know he's standing there with me it's like look take your shirt off and uh it's like all right this is getting weird but whatever and I took my shirt <laughs> off, and it's like, dude, look at you. He's like, you're not really showing me that you want to be a professional wrestler. You have to look like a wrestler. And I was like, all right, cool. And I always say this, man. If you tell me I won't or I can't, I'm going to prove you wrong, and I always usually do. So uh, lo and behold, uh, end of August, I came back at 209 pounds, barely recognizable. And Danny was like, holy shit. And he was like, wow, you're back. Like, he didn't expect me to come back or anything. And uh, at that time, I was a banker. So I had my my shirt and my tie and all that. He was like, well, you ready to go? And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, go train. And I was like, well, shit, okay. So uh, <laughs> I, I'll never forget. He gave me his wrestling shoes. I took off my shirt and tie, had my wife beater. And uh, Nick Camarado, who's a freak piece on AEW, who uh, I came up with, he gave me his, uh, his basketball shorts, his gym shorts. So I started training in that. And uh, ever since then, yeah. Uh, It was uh, August of uh, 2014.
0: That's pretty awesome. And you hear some um, stories about about all the great names that have come through the Monster Factory. But around that time, 2014, who was coming through the Monster Factory with you at the time then? So when I started, uh, let's see.
1: We had Shaheem Ali, uh, LSG, who were a tag team in uh, As Coast to Coast. On Ring of Honor, I came up with them, uh, Tough Timmy Hughes, who was uh, part of uh, Tough Guy Zinc with Brutal Bob Evans, uh, also yes. ROH. Um, let's see, that's my class. Uh, Royal Money, who's an up and comer. Uh, he's been at the factory ever since I've been there. Uh, you know that class right there. Later on, like two months after I uh, after I started, Matt Riddle started. Who's uh, was one of my say, closest guys there. Yeah. Yeah, he was one of my good friends there. You know, him and I uh, broke bread plenty of times. Uh, but one of my coaches, uh, who was also, I guess you could say, training there. But, I mean, he was more of a coach mentor to me as uh, 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 Damian Priest. So, you know, he was still coming up. And, you know, I I could probably boast that I learned so much from him. And he's one of the guys that I can attribute anything when it comes to wrestling. Because he knew how to break it down to me in a way that I understood it. Uh, but also QT Marshall. Uh, he had a hand in my training as well because he was also at the fi- uh, at the Monster Factory uh, as well as uh, the Blue meaning So, yeah, I mean, I got I got a little uh, a little experience there. You know, it was definitely a great foundation that they set me up with. Uh, I still go back. Matter of fact, I'll be back there November 20th for the Turkey Slam. So, you know, it's it's all love. I, I love being able to go back home. People remembering and, you know, I left there and it's like I never missed a step. So it's it's great
0: absolutely and you mentioned some great names there that are doing some really big things some great things in some of the more mainstream promotions like QT marshall and punishment martinez or Damien priest uh i wanted to, Matt riddle of course um yes. but you said you got you got quite close to to punishment martinez or Damien priest uh, and he'd been in the business for quite a while when you first broke in and he was there training and and uh, being a trainer being a coach at the same time um but what what sort of a, a guys you like kind of you know out and about kind of everyday life he just seems like a really cool cat oh he
1: totally is man he's you know uh as a puerto rican fellow puerto rican as a latino you know we we Uh, we're we're pretty much we're, we're spice we're just walking spice you know what i mean we always uh we we enjoy life to the fullest we do what 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 we're passionate about we're passionate people uh like you know like we share that passion in professional wrestling you know being from humble beginnings as well from back on the island and you know, moving stateside. Uh we shared a lot of common uh, a lot of things in common, not to mention the common love for the professional wrestling that we had. Uh, you know, and we uh we, we got pretty close. You know, we have we we've had our uh our struggles in regard to where, you know, I struggled with this and he had my back, he struggled with his, I had his back. So it was a yeah. good uh good chemistry in that relationship and stuff. But uh but yeah, he's one of the guys that, you know, when, when, like you said, when you mentioned greats that came from the Monster Factory, he's definitely up there. Definitely up there. I've seen that guy. He was a 300 and, and 330, 340 or something like that. And wow. he went all the way down to the way that he looks now. And yeah. I've seen him throughout most of the process. And it's just, it's mind blowing. It, it definitely, you know, motivated me. Like he's one of the yeah. guys that, you know, told me to keep going.
0: Yeah, and he's doing amazing stuff in WWE. Oh, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, he's he, is he the US champ at the moment? But that, yes. that's absolutely phenomenal, and he looks like he's he's really enjoying life as well. So uh, uh, good for him, good for him. And um, the Monster Factory—they're not just a training facility, are they? They've got their own uh, promotion, um, MFPW, and uh, you, you kind of wrestled the first couple of years of, of your career with MFPW, didn't you?
1: That's correct. Uh, I started out because, like I said, you know, they were trying to kind of speed track me because of my mouthpiece. So yeah. uh, they were like, all right, well, he has a mouth on him. So let's put him as a manager. And this was by uh, QT and, uh, and Damien. They were like, hey, man, put him with us. We started the real life heels. Then soon after uh, Matt Riddle joined us. So, you know, I started there kind of uh, not that they, they need any mouthpiece or anything. But, you know, I was like their business, man. Well, yeah. they just went in there and whooped ass because I had a you know a mouthpiece on me. But uh, you know, it was all it was all gravy because I felt like part of the team as well. I didn't have to get in there and wrestle. You know, I wrestled a few occasions where, you know, I was part of like this big six man or a tag. I had to tag with like Damien or something like that. And uh my first match was actually me tagging with Damien. So wow. it, it was me, Damien, and QT versus three other guys. So so yeah, so I managed there. Up until a couple years back, I went back to the MFPW, and it was my first time as a, as an established wrestler, like you know, on my own without anybody else. So it was really cool. Like the it, it's it's nothing like coming back home, you know. It's not it, there's no feeling like feeling welcomed and feeling embraced by everybody that's there that has seen your journey and you know the bumps in the road and stuff. You know, it's really worth it.
0: Well, I was going to say, because um, I think you've you've wrestled for MFPW uh, this year, haven't you? A couple of matches um, against uh, Tough Tim Hughes, um, who you mentioned uh, was one of the trainees back in 2014. And, uh, and I was going to ask you about about going back home, going back to the place where it all started for you. That must have been a thrill. And, you know, knowing what you know now, six or seven years on, um, that must have been very rewarding for you.
1: Oh, 100%, man. It was so humbling, just... Uh... My character's a pretty cocky bastard. Uh, there's no there's no denying that. But being able to go back to Paulsboro where it all began and where, you know, you uh, you kind of cut your teeth, you up and leave, and it's like kind of no fanfare or anything. You lay low for a little bit. Um, the reason I did this, by the way, uh, I'll never forget. I spoke with Raven. Raven, and and one of the things I was like, so... How can i get better at this you know how can i how can i prove my worth he was like get better come back and be better and there you go and i'm like you know what all right cool so you know i built a great foundation at the factory i left the factory did my own thing for a little bit went back and again like i mentioned before i never missed a step the people there they still remember me the the you know it, it was just like a, a homecoming and just at the it's, it's indescribable, you know. It's just there was something in the air once I uh, – me being a heel and everything, I'm over there trying to be the asshole, but I get up on the corner and just, like, put my hands up, and I'm, like, embracing that moment. I start smiling. I jump down. I'm like, oh, shit, I'm facing <laughs> yeah. out right now. Hold on. I was like, I don't care about you guys anyway. You know, I had to cut it real quick. So, <laughs> But it is what it is, man. It's, it's truly humbling, and, and I, I continue to get that feeling. That's the best part. I continue to get it every time I go back.
0: Absolutely. Got, got our first listener question and uh, a guy we spoke about already, but John Kiernan's been in touch. And he said, uh, ask Rico about uh, how he came to be part of the division. So I understand that with MFPW, you're part of a faction now. Um, I don't know how long you've been part of the faction. Fill us in on, on that. And uh, uh, when did you first become a part of the division? Well, we started,
1: uh, me and Benjamin King, who is the manager, uh, we started talking about a colli- uh, some type of collaboration. Uh, It was more so to kind of gather a group of individuals that you know that love this stuff and wanted to travel and kind of go out and you know we could work as one cohesive unit uh so he already had some ideas of who he wanted and stuff it all started out he picked his people uh he wanted me due to my i guess my my time in the in the business and uh my reach out here in the midwest we could probably build some type of bridge from the east coast to the midwest you know what i mean and kind of take this uh, act on the road. But uh, yeah, when he reached out to me and said, hey, you wanna be a part of it? And then he told me who's part of it. I'm like, yeah, of course, dude. Like, These are all factory students. These are all factory kids. And these are all people that I, you know, I'll gladly break bread with. Um, the thing about the Monster Factory, it's not like you go to a, a wrestling school, you graduate, you leave, that's it. No, you go to your wrestling school, you're always gonna be a lifetime member of that wrestling school. Therefore, anybody that comes in there, that's automatically your brother and sister, that's your family. Uh, it's me as one of their, I guess you can say their vets. You know, um, I want to lead the way. You know, I want to make sure that if I go somewhere, I hold the door open and just wave them on in. Come on, I got an opportunity for you. But it's not like I'm handing it to them. I hand you the opportunity. What you do with it, that's going to be what what's going to be uh, make it or break it for you. But like when it comes to the division, I know that these guys want to work, and I know that these guys want to do something. So it's never an issue, never a problem. Uh, you know, we got together, unfortunately it was right before COVID hit. So as we were creating that buzz, uh, COVID hit places closed. There was no crowds. There was like no wrestling and we were going insane. So the buzz kind of like died out a little bit, but now we're still building back towards it. So like now that everything's kind of filling up, uh, you know, we want to take this show on the road. So right now we're working in different, you know, instances and units and stuff. Uh, it just
0: depends where we go at. We have representation everywhere. That's awesome. That really is awesome. Um, And and they probably look up to you as as the vet um, and and try to seek a bit of guidance or a bit of experience there. But, uh, no, that's really, really good. And and thank you for uh, kind of filling me in on the division. Um, But uh, I want to take a deep dive into your wrestling fandom now, if that's okay, Rico. So when did pro wrestling first come into your life? Uh, Do you remember kind of when it first happened and how it first struck you?
1: Yeah, actually, I remember that uh, it's hard to forget. It's like just me being a kid, you know, jumping around, running around. And I remember my mom plopping me down in front of the TV and uh, the ultimate warrior ran across the screen. And like, you know, you see this green streak running across, you know, as a child, you're going to it's going to catch your eye. And you know how his entrance was, you know what I mean? He's just, like, all over the place. Ah! Oh, yeah. And I see the tassels, and I see all the colors, and I'm just intrigued. I'm like, whoa. You know, and ever since then, you know, my mom, she used to watch it. So she was like, oh, yeah, I used to watch uh, Bruno San Martino and Pedro Morales and, you know, all Chief Jay Strongo, all these different guys, Ric Flair. And she was into it with me, so it made it even cooler. So, like, I got to watch this stuff with my mom. So, you know, you're talking – wwf superstars wwf challenger you're you're talking like the monday night raws like when the wars were going on and stuff like all the good stuff um so yeah i mean that initially was where i first started my love for professional wrestling it was just it it i dove into the whole entertainment aspect of it if that makes sense i love the storyline i love you know the fact that you had this good guy versus this bad guy and that they were going to duke it out and eventually it was going to come to some type of uh blow up you know at a pay-per-view. I look forward to those pay-per-views. So, you know, I definitely built from there when I was a young kid.
0: Yeah. Uh, who were some of the the larger than life characters that kind of really, you know, f- f- flew through your TV screens and you gravitated towards? Did you have any favorites when you were younger? 100%. Um now the ultimate warrior uh, now mind you I got a
1: tattoo of the warrior. You know what I mean? That's pretty cool. That's definitely based on the fact that, you know, he's the one who initially turned my head and made me say, Hey, watch wrestling, you know? Um, But if I had to pick my favorite and probably the most influential one, it's cliche to say, but the undertaker, I mean, you've got a a, Good good choice. You've got somebody that evolved so much and was able to change with the times. And that's something that I try to incorporate, you know, once you i don't feel that anybody's character or anything is set in stone and he's good proof of that you don't have to stay the same person you have to evolve and evolve with the times because at some point you're going to stop evolving and time's going to kind of pass you by and then you become somewhat of a throwback and nobody's going to want to watch that you know what i mean so you have to be able to change with it and roll with the punches which you know i definitely respect the undertaker for that now as a wrestler but as a kid Seeing the dead guy, you know, I, when it was him, you know, just straight up, just raising up and sitting up, oh, and you're yeah. looking at him with the dark like, eyes
0: dude. and the white skin. Yeah, yeah, just, he was a completely different person,
1: and then the metamorphosis of him, you know, him versus y- Yokozuna in '94 um with the casket match where he freaking levitated, and he comes back with the mask and then purple gloves, and I'm like, whoa, dude, hold on a minute. Then fast forward. Then you got back with no gloves and he's ministry taker. Fast forward to that. Then you got biker taker. It's yeah. like, no, wait a minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> somebody like that is somebody that I want to emulate their staying power. Now, if you want to talk about anybody that I've watched in regards to like, he's entertaining as hell. This is a character that I like watching. Uh, I grew up on Razor Ramon. Grew up on Scott Hall for real. Razor Ramon, Ric Flair, uh, Mr. Perfect, Bret Hart, that era. That's what I like. That's what I uh I try more or less to emulate because it's you, like I said, I'm a big talker. Uh I think that era has probably some of the best talkers that you able that you're able to like look up online or anywhere when it 100%. comes to like professional wrestling. Uh the vignettes were there. You know, you had Mr. Perfect with the vignettes where he's throwing footballs at himself and catching it. You know, that him and Ric Flair, uh the whole WrestleMania 8. Uh, leading up to it you know just talking trash when he's one of flair's advocates he's part of the heenan family and all that stuff like it it was such a cool time and people just didn't go in the ring do a bunch of flips just for the sake of doing flips there was meaning behind it you know there was some type of significance and a build-up and a story behind this we're not doing it just for doing it you know yeah.
0: And I, I, i for one, I mean, I grew up in that era as well, the early 90s, 92, 93 and onwards. And I, I for one, would like to see an element of that come back with, with you know, the, the characters, the, the guys doing the promos and the, the long drawn-out storylines, but uh, uh, well, hopefully, hopefully we can kind of bring some of that back, but um, uh, you mentioned some of your influences, Razor Ramon and Ric Flair, some really, really great influences there. Mm-hmm. But do, do you kind of model you, your style or your persona after some of those characters as well?
1: Yeah, there's definitely elements of, uh, you know, characters like that. You know, you got the smoothness, the oozing the machismo of uh, Razor oh. Ramon, you have the just the suave of rick flair the arrogance of rick flair you know that will sit there and at the drop of a dime he, he will say what he needs to say not giving a damn who listens um you know you, you got a sprinkle of uh you know some sabio vega in there with his style because obviously he's a great influence to us you know when he was tnt in puerto rico and i watched him as a kid when i was little i was like oh damn that's pretty hot mm-hmm. um but but yeah definitely i try to it's what you watch and it's what you emulate at the end of the day. My character just kind of came out of nothing. But when it comes to like comparisons, that's what I get mainly compared to those folks. So I definitely have probably hijacked a few things from each of them.
0: Hey, nothing wrong with that at all. And you are kind of emulating the greats there for sure. Yeah. Uh, tell us a bit about Ring of Honor because we spoke a bit off air and like I said, I've done the research, but uh, you, you you did some announcing for Ring of Honor for a period of time. Uh, tell us how that kind of started, um, the story behind that and, and how your, your journey with Ring of Honor kind of evolved. Okay. So
1: it was kind of the same deal, like, uh, you know, at the Monster Factory when I became a manager. Uh I was probably around six months in, and I think that was the first uh, Ring of Honor tryout that I did. Um, mm. I was already going over there working with them. I started with Ring of Honor in like 2015, uh, just kind of helping out and stuff. And I uh, eventually did that tryout, and they were like, well, you can talk. So Kevin Kelly, Ian Riccobani, uh Christopher Daniels, like a bunch of guys, they vouched for me because they heard my promos, and it was like, look, he's still green, but he can talk. We could put him behind the announce table. He speaks Spanish. So we can use him for the Spanish broadcast team as well as the English. Uh, and one of the things that I was like, listen, I don't want to be pigeonholed as a commentator. You know, I'm, I want to wrestle too. So, like, what they said is basically, well, you're doing this stuff uh, as a manager at the factory. So we could eventually kind of transition you from one to another. And then, you know, once your wrestling gets better, you could do the in-ring stuff and go from there. So, you know, my initial plan was to, to grow with the company, which is pretty damn cool because, I mean, you're talking 2015 through 17. Those were some hot years for them. Yeah. Uh, you know, I got to see Cody come in. I got to see so many different legends just like come in and and get to kind of be part of that big Ring of Honor family at the time. So it was super cool. Um, so, yeah, so I got in with them, uh, you know, through basically Kevin Kelly and them. They they kind of put over the fact that I can talk and I started doing a Future of Honor then eventually women of honor then actually ring of honor episodes uh and in the meantime for the pay-per-views I would do the spanish uh broadcast so but but that experience was like super super great um i'm appreciative to them you know hunter uh, delirious and, and 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 everybody that helped me out um you know it, it came a time i was i was still doing the wrestling you know aside from the commentary so i ended up doing a match i got hurt uh, had some stuff going on, but I tore both my labrum. So I was like, Oh, wow. Well, I can't wrestle for a while. I think I'm going to step away from a bunch of these things for a little bit till I heal. And that happened, you know, I had a long like three hour conversation with, uh, with delirious on the phone, just kind of, you know, breaking everything down. Uh, no bad blood. You know what I mean? I, I just wanted to focus more on being a wrestler than being a commentator. So we just left it at that. And, uh, I healed up, ended up in Wisconsin and, you know, just grew from there
0: yeah absolutely but i mean just sticking with uh, roh for a second i mean being around that whole production being around the the talent in front of the camera behind the camera around the ring backstage it's such a great <clears throat> production isn't it it's such a great company to be around you must have learned a ton while you were there oh a hundred percent it
1: the staff behind the cameras i mean behind the scenes everybody's everybody's just like so helpful. They want to see you kind of flourish and grow. So, you know, I was able to learn how to work a camera, like they say, you know, when it comes to the in-ring stuff, hey, you want to work the floor cam, you want to work the hard cam, you want to do this, that, here's how production goes. Uh, Because aside from just uh, the commentary, they use me in the back for Gorilla. So I would sit mm. there and I would, you know, help uh production communicate with the refs or communicate with the uh commentary team on what to talk about with the plug, uh things like that. So I was doing that aspect of it as well. Um, cause one thing I've learned in professional wrestling, it's good to be an asset, uh, everywhere because at the end of the day, everybody wants to be a wrestler. You know, there's so many people coming up for it. And even still, you never know. I mean, you know, tomorrow at my show, I could have a career ending injury, but I can still do commentary. I can still work gorilla hell. If I really wanted to, depending on the severity of the injury, I could ref if I want to. You know, you got to learn all these different aspects. It's not just wrestling. It's a big collective of things that come together to make the show. So, you know, it's good knowing about that. And I was able to learn so much, you know, under under the gentleman over in, uh, at Ring of Honor.
0: Yeah, such a great production to be part of, and so many uh, amazing learning experiences. But you mentioned earlier Wisconsin, and uh, you, you kind of went on to there, uh, wrestled for uh, Bruce City Wrestling and ICW in Wisconsin. What can you remember about wrestling around Wisconsin around that time frame? Because you, you kind of uh, spent a long time there, did, did a lot of shows, um, and uh, had a, had a, a great experience there, didn't you? Um. Or was he not so great?
1: (laughs) I I don't speak ill of anybody. Let's just say that uh, not being from a certain place really doesn't help your cause, I guess. And and, and being somebody that doesn't tend to to stroke egos or or play the politicking game, you won't fare well there. Um, I'll leave it at that. I'm thankful for the opportunities that I've gotten. I, I, one thing, um, you know, in Milwaukee, I I got to meet so many good friends. i found so many good friends. You know, I'm not going to let one bad apple or two bad apples spoil the bunch. Made a ton of good wrestling friends there. Uh, fortunately it didn't work out for me. I wasn't a fan of the area and how things were run. So I up and moved to green Bay, just kind of, you know, kind of isolate myself from all that. Uh, but the good thing I came out of it, you know, I struggled for a couple of years, but um, I was able to make my way to Galilee Lucha in Chicago. Uh, Chicago's really where I've centralized most of my wrestling, and that's really where, you know, I'm getting to flourish the most.
0: Yeah, yeah, 100%. Well, t- well, tell us about Galilucha, because um, I- I've seen a few of their shows. I've seen you in action there. Um, it- it's-, it's a very unique company. Concentrate- I, mean, I think they describe themselves as the best lucha in the Midwest. Uh, but what kind of drew you to them? And, and uh, tell us a bit about your journey with Galilucha.
1: Well, I mean, it- it's it's easy not to get drawn in, you know, being Hispanic yeah. and everything. You hear about Galilucha. You- you're going to hear about it. Uh, it was actually one of the first places I heard about when I came out here. And uh, a buddy of mine, Jeremiah Bishop, who also wrestles locally, he was like, hey, man, you'd be a shoe in I know Carlos, let me introduce you. So he kind of brought me on. I introduced myself to Carlos. He's like, oh, great. Got your gear? Oh, yeah. All right. Get in. Cool. So, uh, you know, obviously, uh, he uh, he enjoyed my work. And and we continued to collaborate. And <laughs> I remember, you know, at that point, we had a lot of Puerto Rican uh Wrestlers coming in, so he was like, "Man, it's a takeover here." You know, we got a bunch of you guys, so we ended up having a triple threat where it was myself, Axel, and another uh another Puerto Rican wrestler, Angel Escalera, and we were just we were in a pose like you know the Spider Man meme, yeah, where we're we're all pointing at each other. yeah, Yeah, we all had like the white, red, and blue like tights, the Puerto Rican tights. So he. That's where the brainstorm started happening about the uh, the, uh, the the whole La Sociedad Boricua. But if, if you don't mind, let me rewind. Let me yeah. rewind to Milwaukee once again, because out of the people that I met, I, I'd be remiss not to mention Caribbean Arrogance. Now, Caribbean Arrogance uh, initially started as Caribbean Connection. This is me and my two other partners, Chuco and Jay Manny, which initially we started here, kind of paired us together, you know, whatever. Uh, but we started growing from there and then we eventually became a uh, Caribbean arrogance, but due to some unforeseen things, we hadn't been able to perform as a trio. We hadn't been able to like really work together, but once I was able to get to galley, I was able to bring them on. So back, back in, in current time, what I was talking about, we had that match and they started brainstorming about, Hey man, a lot of Puerto Ricans here. We got to get this group going. So we started with the group and it was myself, uh, it was no longer caribbean arrogance we were la sociedad Boricua, and that started with uh myself ricky Cruz, uh chuko jay manny and uh axel so we're just going to be one big faction but you know aside from that just just it was just a good opportunity being able to be part of galley because in my opinion they're probably the best hybrid wrestling in the sense where you got you got lucha you've got regular you know american style wrestling and it just works. There's chemistry between everybody that gets in the ring. And there's actual storylines that get followed by people. And the, the fans are so loyal. I mean, if you watch, like, one of the shows, uh, if you're there live, you're going to hear all the sound makers and the whistles and the horns and the, you know, little things that they play during the soccer game. they like,
0: uh, football.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so, like, they have all that stuff. Like, they really get into it. So I really love working for that crowd.
0: Yeah and and Lucha, they got a couple of big shows coming up um I think one show this coming Sunday um and I think they co- they're calling that uh, the road to 500 and then, and then on the 7th of November they got their 500th show um so two big shows in in the space of 2 weeks um you must be really looking forward to that Oh absolutely I mean it the thing about the Gally locker room it's not
1: it's filled with so much great talent But you're not going to find an ego in there. You're not going to find anybody that's truly like, you know, uh, you know, mark for themselves, as they say. Yeah. Everybody's so damn humble. And and I'm talking about you got you got my little sister Sky Blue in there. You know, she should have a big ass head. You know what I mean? She's so talented. And and look at the things that are happening for her. You got, you know, I think this show coming up, we're going to have Dante Martin. We've got Aramis. We've got Ades. We've got uh, Gringo Loco. We've got so much talent, but there's not a single ego in that place. There's not a single, you know, you owe me this or some sense of entitlement. Everybody's a big family at Galleon, and and that's one of the things I admire. I always look forward to those shows because of it, but you're going to get an entertaining show. Like, you know for a fact, just based on the first few names that you see on there, it's going to start off hot, it's going to remain hot, and it's going to finish off hot. So all the way through the show, it's a roller coaster, but just know that you're going to start off hot and then you're going to end up super hot. And that's going to keep you keep you intrigued and keep you watching.
0: Absolutely. Now, I'm going to bring up uh, this guy here. You've got to Axel Rico <laughs> and yourself there. Uh, I'm going to try and pronounce your your, your, your stable. Is it La Sociedad Bariqua? Close that, enough, bro. Listen, you're, close you're doing enough. a better job Hey. For, for an English guy 5,000 miles away, that's not as good as it's going to get. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> no, La Bri- you've got to have the roll of the tongue on Briqua, and I haven't got that. But uh, there we go. I mean, you, you, you call yourself the greatest, sexiest tag team in AEW. Tell us about you, you two, because you've been teaming quite frequently over the last year or so. You, you've kind of got this brotherhood going on, both inside and outside of the ring. A really, really great combination. Um, but uh, t- tell us about your partnership with Axel, because he's such a great guy he was on the podcast wrestling with Jonas a few months ago uh a fantastic guy a great wrestler really great young up-and-coming wrestler um so you two bond very well don't you
1: oh yeah he's a good buddy i mean you know obviously we are the the hottest and sexiest you know tag team in AEW. look at this hair oh of course i mean look at those baby blues i mean (laughs) with both of us when we step in a room you know heads do turn you know and i think that's part of the chemistry that we have uh even you know outside of wrestling uh, hell, I can even say something as recent as uh, this past week at the last galley show we had. I mean, a bunch of us will get together, you know, have some food or something, grab a bite to eat. And we were just there just cracking up. And it was just me and Axel going back and forth, working off of each other, just throwing jokes and seeing what sticks. And, you know, the chemistry there conversationally, I think that that's why our promos come out, you know, so great because we know basically what we're trying to get at. All I have to do is, give him like certain cues and he knows what he needs to say. It's vice versa. You know, we work very well together and in the ring, it's just a matter of knowing your partner. You know, it, it'd be something if like, like one of my biggest things is like, again, I like storylines. I like the, the, I like rhyme and reason behind things. If you're just placing people together for the sake of placing, Oh yeah. Wrestler a looks good with wrestler B. Let's go ahead and make them wrestle. you know, as a tag team. No matching gear, really no chemistry. You know, one's one's a, a big you burly guy and the other one's a little guy, which it can be done, you know, under the right, you know, storyline it can be done, but still, when there's a mismatch and there's no chemistry, there's no entertainment factor. Uh they're just flips for doing the sake, for the sake of doing flips. So, yeah. you know, in a in a time where I feel that a lot of tag teams aren't really like used to the to the you know. They're not being made i want to say this the right way because i don't want to offend i don't feel that tag teams are really viewed you know or taken seriously anymore there's not any cohesive units like as far as like something that axel and i bring to the table you know you sure. have two guys yes. which are puerto rican which are dressed in the same you know garments which are both just as arrogant both assholes you know yes. i i feel we need more of that because we need more uh, more of a uniform. You know what I mean? I just feel that there needs to be more
0: uniform within traditional teams, like, traditional I that I tag teams, that the, like the tag teams we grew up on yeah, back in so. the nineties. And yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, I, I want to throw another picture up. There you go. Look at that one there. <laughs> and uh, so you mentioned Sky Blue. You've been you've been kind of feuding of sorts with Sky Blue over the last few months in AEW. AAW. Um, and uh, you, you've got a, a rematch coming up on the thirtieth. There you go. <laughs> so uh, this is from uh, from. Um, a couple of shows to go with AEW. Uh, yourself and Axel going up against uh, Christy Janus and uh, Sky Blue. This, the Sky Blue is absolutely kind of killing it on AEW at the moment and doing some fantastic stuff. Great to see she's kind of keeping her connections and doing her indie work back in Chicago, back in Illinois with you guys. Um, but uh, she, she's doing some great stuff. And like I say, coming back to her roots and still performing for AAW and various indie groups around Illinois. And uh, it must be kind of, you must be quite proud to see her grow and develop and doing so well, but at the same time, being able to have these great matches with her. And uh, of course, Christy Janus on um, the 30th for AAW.
1: No, I mean, it, it, it's super awesome. You know, all all storyline aside uh it's good to watch somebody who at her age is kind of getting fast tracked and she's taking it in stride and she's super humble about it you know she's not letting her head grow like i mentioned before she's not uh allowing that to kind of get her to a point where she feels some sense of entitlement she knows her worth but she's also very humble so in that aspect yeah i'm definitely proud of her I'm, i'm happy you know, I could call her little sis, and and she still comes around. She trains with us at galley. Sometimes she'll come around. Uh, obviously, she's on shows and stuff. So, no, that's really dope. I'm, I'm really excited for that. Uh, but, yeah, we are going to kick the crap out of her and Christy come the 30th because they decided they wanted to do a Fans Bring the Weapons match. And if they want to go ahead and get down like that, then, unfortunately, they're going to be a victim to their own stipulation because we're, we're going to come there to beat their ass. Like, they, they want to get treated like men, then we're going to go ahead and treat them like men. Absolutely.
0: And that can be seen on Fight TV, if I'm not mistaken. I think yes, all of uh, AEW's Hell on hat. Fight TV. No fury. Like, That's be great. <laughs> I will be purchasing that pay-per-view without, uh, without fail. Uh, <laughs> another quick question uh, from... Uh, Axel Rico, um, how does uh, Rico do, do do everything that he does and still have the best hair in the game? So, uh, obviously, you know, you're a good-looking guy, great hair. Uh, both of you have got great hair. As a matter of fact, I can't really comment with, him with my <laughs> uh, lack of hair. But uh, there we go. That's Axel kind of throwing it in there. But, um, so, the formula is coconut milk, <laughs> egg yolk, a little
1: avocado, some mayonnaise, and some horse placenta. <laughs>
0: that's a good combination and uh you, you can find that in a local store near you i'm sure yeah or i can mix up the <laughs> hundred pound £100 a bo- hundred dollars a bottle <laughs> it's <laughs> not cheap um but uh, as we start to wind down then rico um like i say you've had a, a quite a storied career uh you've wrestled for quite a few promotions you've been um, doing the grind now for quite a few years what what are some of the matches that you're most proud of if there's any listeners or viewers that uh, may not have sampled too much of your work uh what matches would you encourage them or recommend them to go out and check out to see your work?
1: I would probably say anything that I've had within the last year with, uh with Axel and the rest of my partners. Uh I think that I can confidently say that I'm not at my peak or we're not at our peak, but we're reaching our peak definitely. So I think that probably the most recent AAW matches, whether it be the one, you know, us two versus Jake something us two versus the girls uh sky blue and uh Christy Jane's, uh we've got some good matches on aaw live which you guys should check out as well i mean just go under youtube um but i think any match that i've had at aaw or uh galley that's that's the ones i'd recommend because like i said
0: i don't think we've peaked
1: yet but we're definitely getting there and you could totally see this the change in our stride
0: that's absolutely awesome um and, and one final question from me Over your wrestling career so far um, and still many more years to come, what are some of the the proudest moments you've had um, as a pro wrestler or or within your your kind of wrestling career as a whole?
1: Right now, I would have to say that I'm still going. I think that, that, that makes me super proud. I was counted out of this business before I even started it. You know what I mean? I was overweight. I was looking rough. Uh, You know, I wasn't a fast learner at first. Uh, I was told I'd only ever amount to a manager, if that. You know what I mean? Um, The fact that I could get out here and and prove people wrong, uh, losing the weight, getting in shape, actually becoming a wrestler on a prominent company, in a prominent company, on a prominent show, that has helped. Probably, in my opinion, maybe I'm being biased, but I think probably out of all the indies, AAW has the best production. Best production, bar none. It's It's the closest you're getting to TV, and honestly, a lot better than maybe some aspects of certain TV. Um, But I think that that, and I say this humbly, because I'm not one that's going to sit here and brag, because I know what I've put out there, and I know that I've busted my ass to get where I'm at. But being able to prove to people that doubted me, and being able to not only prove to myself, but to prove to my kids. you know, I started wrestling because my son we were literally watching raw and i popped out a move and he said dad if you love it so much why don't you do it you're that's right really cool. because who am i to tell you chase your dreams but i'm not chasing my own yeah so i'm not going to quit so i'd rather get slapped in the face with a thousand failures than a thousand what ifs so that being said that's that's my proud that's my pride that's what makes yeah. me proud being able to tell all these people that said i couldn't do it i did it
0: That's really awesome. That's really awesome. Uh, But before we say goodbye, uh, Rico De La Vega, um, tell us your socials. Where can we reach out to you, learn more about uh, Rico De La Vega, um, see some of your work, and uh, just just get to know more about yourself? Um, I'm sure you've got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, you could just uh, Google
0: me. No.
1: (laughs) uh, You can find me on Twitter and uh, Instagram. It's at RealRicoDLV initials for de la vega uh so yeah real rico dlv that's instagram and twitter uh i think that's on tiktok as well but i want to say it's real rico dlv3 i don't do tiktok a lot unless i have a reason to but uh facebook rico de la vega um yeah i think that's all my socials but I, hell just if you want to find out more about me just uh reach out i'm not a bad Absolutely. guy just uh yeah
0: Ask questions. And you've, you've got merch as well. You've got some t shirts available. Uh, where can we find your t shirts? I do. If you go to whatamaneuver.com,
1: uh, it's whatamaneuver. Just like, what a maneuver. Yeah. You go there, search Rico de la Vega. There's plenty of La Sociedad Boricua, plenty of uh, Rico de la Vega individual tees, and you can get them hoodies. You can get onesies, which I find really cool. Like, That's if you want awesome. your kid to come up, you know, <laughs> with some heart and some good hair, I see you buy them the onesie let them grow into it, and the hair will come soon after.
0: Awesome. Well, I'm going to be searching for your, your hair formula tomorrow, <laughs> um, as soon as the shop's open. But uh, Rico De La Vega, it's been a pleasure speaking to you on the Wrestling Majors Podcast, and uh, thank you for coming on. I'm honored.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: You're very welcome. Yeah, that's how-